start caring a little bit more. It works for your customers and it works for your employees, meaning they are not numbers. Your employees are not just a paycheck at the end of the month in exchange for work they provide. They actually have emotions, they have feelings, they have ideas, they have their own thinking. So it would be worth caring a little bit more. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back. If we haven't met before, great to meet you. My name is Aaron. We tap into the stories of some of the world's most successful people, and not just successful people, ordinary people too, to understand what made them who they are and how they are collectively making our world a better place. If you're looking for dopamine, inspiration, new knowledge, or actions that you can take today to become a better future self, you have come to the right place. To learn more about us, you can head over to our website, www.transformativepurpose.com. And please don't forget to follow, rate, and share if you enjoy our content. Everything you see here is run by myself and a small team, and we'll really appreciate it. And last but not least, our mission is to build a global community to inspire. Enjoy. Hey guys, thank you so much, and welcome back to the new episode on Transformative Purpose. I've got an exciting episode today. I'm reconnecting with a guy that I met over six years ago when I used to work at Lalamove as a general manager, and he used to look after the regional marketing. His name is Julian Rio. He's an expert in customer experience. So we're going to talk a little bit about customer experience and how COVID has been changing online behaviors and some insights that he picks up from... You're based in France now, right, Julian? I am based out of Paris, correct. <laughs> and welcome on the show, by the way. I'm so lucky to have you here. I'm really excited about our chat. Well, thanks a lot. I, I did not realize it had been six years. Thank you for making us both a little bit older. But yeah, it has been a while. So it's exciting to have that conversation now. Yeah. How has COVID impacted you and your family? I, I, I don't think I should say that. It's probably not fair for others, but it has been a blessing for us because I had my baby in the middle of the COVID times, which means that working from home entirely, no commute. I could actually see her in the morning, take care of her, spend more time than ever with both my wife and my babies. It, it has been a blessing. I think if you can afford to work from home and if you have a large enough house, COVID is probably not a bad thing for people who obviously don't get sick. And I did not get sick. So from that perspective, that was pretty good. All right. Hey, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what are you, you've been up to since you left the... <laughs> Start a world. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, <clears throat> so when I met you, we were building a new, a small, kind of small startup at that time that is now really international because I've seen they launched in the US, in India, in Malaysia, absolutely everywhere now. So I come from the startup world. I used to manage marketing from an international perspective across city. And then four, four or five years ago now, I moved back to France because I'm originally French, away from Hong Kong. And now from Paris, I work for a company called Ring Central which is a company specialized in everything, communication and collaboration, both internally, you know, to video conferencing, phone messaging, software, and externally, everything around contact center. And that's probably why I joined in the first place because I am I have a passion for customer experience. I happen to be a CCXP, which is a certified customer experience professional. And I have a passion for that. So that, that seemed to be the perfect company for me. And today I'm managing international marketing teams as well, pretty much across the globe, except for the US, which is centralized under the headquarters. So that's my life today. Great to hear. Hey, you are a man of mantras, and I picked this up from your LinkedIn bio. The challenge of leadership is to be strong, but not rude. Be kind, but not weak. Be bold, but not bully. Be thoughtful, but not lazy. Be humble, but not timid. 
Be proud, but not arrogant. Have humor, but without folly. When did you pick this up? And what does it mean to you? And what has kept you motivated all these years? So actually, that, that might have been too many years ago for you to remember, but I used to have that mantra under my computer screen on my desk to look at it every day when I would arrive in the office. When did I pick this up? I think that's when I first became people manager, which was many years ago. And the reason for that is at that time, I did not have anyone teaching me how to manage people. I didn't have a mentor of some sort. My manager back then was definitely not the coach type. So I <laughs> suddenly had to manage people, which was something I was looking forward to, but that was a little bit scary because I had no experience whatsoever. So I, instead of going into, you know, business books and trying to learn how to do it from others, I just tried to find some source of inspiration. I had a gut feeling on how should you manage people and what have I never received from my managers that I feel my employees would deserve to get. But I found it very difficult because when you have no model, it's you really need to start from scratch. And this, this mantra kind of stuck with me for so many years because I think it tells it all. It's all about balance. As a manager, you need to be tough in a way because you need to show people how to go there. But in the same time, you can be too tough because we're dealing with humans, not with numbers. It's about having humor, but still being serious. It's, it, it's all about the balance of everything. And that's the most difficult thing. When you have a manager, you tend to forget that he's also human and that it's a tough job. It's not an easy job to manage people properly. And I'm still learning it every day. But again, that's all about the balance. And I think that tells it all. And I love that sentence. Yeah. This quote is from uh, Jim Ron, right? That, from memory. That's correct. But that's definitely not for the, so he's in a, used to be an American politician, but that's definitely not for the guy himself. That's really for the sentence. I had no idea who he was when I read it first. And it kind of makes sense from his background, but that's, I think that's a wise thing to, to say. Yeah. I actually don't remember you've been having the same quote since 2015. I, uh, I definitely have. I'm trying to live by it each and every day. Yeah, I mean, with, with his words <laughs> and loyalty as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, you also run your own podcast, right? What is it about? I do run my own podcast. It's called the CX Therapy. It's not just myself, actually. It's a duet. I'm, I'm working with a dear friend of mine. The guy is called Max Ball. Is based in the US, making it incredibly complex to find the right time slot to record. But you would know, right? Uh, for us to find a time well, slot that matches between Paris and Hong Kong, that was kind of a fun, fun exercise as well. The CX well, Therapy... Go ahead. I tried to set up something for 3, 4 a.m. in your region. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you did. And you were very hopeful on that one, but that would, no, <laughs> that would not work. So I've built the CX therapy in uh, January 2021. The reason for that is, again, my passion is everything about CX. And the whole concept is we all, wherever you live in the world, I guarantee you have terrible customer experiences. We all have. And I felt it was about time to have like a virtual couch where you could lie like on a therapy couch where you could cry about your terrible experience. And every now and then we actually have some very good ones we want to highlight. The whole point is to show that there are things you can do. We try not just to whine about it, even though we're pretty good at whining about experiences, but it's also about finding out what could have been done different because it's not always that complex. It's usually not even technologies. It's usually about culture. A small tweak in the way you manage your people can have a huge impact on how your customers feel about it. And uh, we've had one episode each week for the past, well, over 12 months now. So that has been pretty, a pretty good start since last year. Yeah, listen to some of the episodes. They're amazing. Are there any good customer experiences and bad ones that you would like to share today? 
Well, they were telling me. I mean, just last night, I did not even wait for my podcast. I was already complaining on LinkedIn about it just a few hours ago. I, I had another terrible one with the French Rail, the ticket selling entity of the company. Absolutely terrible experience. But why? Simply because most of the time when you have terrible experience, because people don't consider you as people, you are considered as a number. You just... Transaction. Exactly. Your transaction, you... You are a customer, but from the money side of the word customer, not because you're a person behind. And it always turns out to be bad when companies look at you that way. On the other side, some of the best customer experiences I had recently around, I had one with my telecom operator, surprisingly. I had a fantastic one with, with a car repair shop recently as well. And what those guys had in common was empathy, but not, not faked empathy from you reading a script that your corporate provided you with true empathy where you feel they do feel for you and they're going to figure out something to help you out. And it's not even about having the solution right away. Because again, we're all human. I think when a customer service representative can't help me, I can understand that there's limit to your job as well. But if you show me empathy, then I kind of feel we're in the same boat and you're trying very hard and very often that's good enough for me to feel good about it. And I think that's the same for most people. So empathy is probably a key element here. What does real empathy feel like? You mentioned there's a difference between, I guess, fake empathy and real empathy. What would someone say or do to make you feel, oh, they're really empathetic about your situation and they're really trying to help? Well, there, there are a few things that you pick up pretty quickly, and it does not require to have any expertise of any sort. That's, I think that's a human thing. And that's what makes a big difference between a voice conversation where you pick emotions and meaning behind the words and a digital conversation where we had to add smileys and emoticons inside just to to carry those emotions that are not that obvious in the written form. The few things you pick up that shows you empathy is you have some companies that are very good at writing incredibly polite scripts and you have thank you and you have please all over the place and I understand, I'm going to try my best, all this kind of stuff. But there is something, if you don't hear in the voice, that you actually mean it. If it's too robotic, you kind of lose the whole meaning uh, of the empathy behind. The way to feel it is usually just about listening to the people's voice, the agent's voice, and you can tell pretty quickly whether it's genuine or not. And either it is genuine or they fake it incredibly well, which is good enough for me, actually. I don't need them to mean it. I need them to make me feel they mean it. And that's usually good enough. And that you're important. Exactly. We are supposed to be important, right? We're paying money for a service, whatever the service. So we should be important for their business. That, that We should feel that we're important for their business. Yeah. Hey, and with COVID, I guess we've been impacted by COVID the last couple of years. If you look at a number of studies, many of us have shift our behavior shopping online a lot of us have tried a new brand in the last 12 months right how should people think about online retail and loyalty i think there's been a major shift and what we need to understand is we hopefully will go back to what we used to call normal a couple of years ago at some point, but we're never going to go back 100%. I mean, some of the things will somehow go back. I mean, you live in Hong Kong, right? So I've tried to come to Hong Kong for the past two years and 21 days quarantine is just a killer. So I'm, I'm not going to come until you drop that, that guideline. It's 14 days now. Is it? Oh, well, still 14 yes. days is a lot of time to spend in a paid hotel locked in your room. But... I mean, a lot has changed, but at some point we're going to somehow go back to some of the things we used to, but not everything is going to change. Let me give you a couple of examples of very personal ones. I used to go to the office all the time. So I used to go to physical restaurants. I never ordered food online. 
because I enjoy spending time in the restaurant and I used to have that nearby my office. Now, since the COVID, I'm ordering my food online, stuff like Uber Eats, delivers all those guys. I think in Hong Kong, we used to have Food Panda. I don't know if that still exists. Uh, They're still around? They're still around. Or you could even order from Move if you managed it properly at the time. And I used to go to the supermarket. Now I do grocery shopping online with, with delivery. I used to buy from the local stores. Now I must say, Amazon is making a lot of money from me, especially from my wife, actually. So we kind of change our habits. Now, <clears throat> tomorrow, End of lockdown, people go back to their normal life. Are we going to stop altogether? Surely not. There, we found convenience and we may enjoy going back to the local store and do window shopping and all this kind of stuff that we can hardly do these days. But are we going to change 100% and go back? Definitely not. Same thing for customer service and customer experience. We are used now to be able to contact companies through WhatsApp. We're used to contact companies through Messenger or WeChat or whatever it is in, in, in your region, in your segment that is available. Do we want to go back 100% to knocking on the store's door every time you have a problem? Definitely not. That's not going to happen. So I think the first year of the pandemic was a test and most business survived and most business managed to adapt. Some of them, unfortunately, could not, but that's business that happened. Now, the test is over, meaning that there is no more excuses. It's either you can adapt and you can go fully digital and still provide the local service because that's a difficult part. It's being able to juggle between providing you what you need and want now online, but still I don't drop the local service and do it well. And that's a tough thing. And it's the same with customer experience. Again, I was talking about WhatsApp. Now you expect companies to be available, taking WhatsApp as an example, but could be any other local digital channels. Now you're expecting companies to be available on WhatsApp, but you still expect that if you need or want to, you should be able to reach them out through phone call. So it's all about adding new stuff and making it well and understanding that there is no 100% way back, but you've built in the last couple of years, you're going to have to sustain while still keeping the basics of traditional business you used to have before the pandemic. And that's tough for any business, I'm sure. Yeah. Hey, what does a CCX do and how do you help companies and customers to overcome the challenges well so ccxp on its own does not really do anything ccxp is just a certification so it's certified customer experience professional so it just says that you have the basics the understanding the training and that you live and breathe the customer experience world now some of the CCXPs would happen to be consultants or trainers or take more experience heads kind of job within companies. And what they do at this point is actually focusing on it. Um, that's not my job. I'm still in marketing. I have a passion for customer experience. That's why I made sure I had that certification, but that's not my job in any way. There are two ways to look at it. It's either not my job at all, or it's really everyone's job because within a company, even though you may or may not have a customer experience department. It's really the job of the sales department and the marketing department. And trust me, all the way to billing and finance department to make sure that customer experience is there. So back to your original question, what does a CCXP do, assuming that they have some experience related job, is looking at mapping the entire customer journey, which is insanely complex these days because it's no longer I'm, I work in a bakery store. The customer comes in, buy bread and leaves. It's nothing like this anymore. You have multiple channels all over the place. And it's about linking the whole pieces, all the pieces of the journey together and figuring out what's working, what's not, and how can we make it better? And that's quite a complex job actually. And, and being able to show empathy, like we said earlier, and put yourself in your customer's shoes so that you don't look at the customer journey from 
the company lens, but from the customer's lens. It's really what it's what it's all about. Yeah, you brought up a few interesting points in our conversation, right? So obviously, COVID has been a catalyst which has fundamentally shifted some of our behaviors. A lot of people who didn't used to buy online are now buying online. We also have a surge in omni-channels, WhatsApp, social media, and whatnot. And companies are thinking about how to slash costs to introduce certain technologies to help them be more productive, right? But at the same time, you know, some of us also need that human touch and empathy, you know, during our interaction with these companies, right? How should someone, you know, someone, any particular leader who's managing this, right? How should someone think about all these different challenges and how to manage customer service or even on the marketing front, given your experience? Well, I think there are a few basics to put in place. First, the very simple thing to understand is you can't do it overnight. It's going to be a long project to do it properly. And what I mean by long is probably endless one because there is always ways to improve and make things better. Once you have that understanding, you need to find out where you want to start. The first thing to do is figure out which are the channels that make sense for for your specific segment. So I've been mentioning WhatsApp many times in the beginning of the podcast because I live in Europe and in France specifically, WhatsApp is very hot. If you were in China, you might want to look at WeChat. If you were in Korea, you might want to look at Talk. I mean, there are all these different channels, right? There is not one fit all. Once you figure out location, you might want to figure out your actual customer base. Is your customer base 60 plus? Is it below 20? Is it a mix of many things? So figure out what your customers are actually using. Once you have these channels, and it's probably not one, it's probably a set of different channels, then you need to put a plan together to roll them out one by one. There's no way to do it all at the same time because you're going to do more damage than anything else. And as you roll out a new channel, never kill an old one because keep in mind that your, <clears throat> even though 80% of your, your customer base is actually, I don't know, between uh, 15 and 25 and they love WeChat and you might want to go all full scale on WeChat, you probably still have customers over 50s that love phone. And they, it may not even because they are uh, because they're over 50. It may simply be because there are situations where some channels are better than others regardless of your preferences. When I have a very complex problem to explain and I need to provide documents and proof, I will go through email. That's the proper route. If I have a quick question, I will go through WhatsApp. If I f- need to feel reassured and have someone to tell me that's okay, don't worry about it, I'm going to place a phone call because I need to hear someone's voice. So there are all these different situations where different channels are going to be more important. So rolling them out one by one, not giving up on any channel that your customers appreciate. Then you've talked about technology and I think you you kind of probably had AI in mind when you mentioned that because automation and everything is usually around AI. Funny enough, most of the time there is no AI inside. It's just a nice marketing cover on top. Automation does not necessarily come with AI, but that's what we usually say. AI is a fantastic tool, assuming you do it right. Meaning it's exactly the same thing as new channels. If you try to put it everywhere all the time, you're going to fail and that's going to be a disaster because it's going to backfire and give your customers a much worse experience than they would expect. So my recommendation with AI is turn it on one, not even one channel at a time, turn it on one use case at a time. So let me give you an example. It could be you turn on your AI between Friday night and Monday morning when anyway, no customer service representative is going to answer questions. So it could be good to have self-service at that time and start feeling how good your AI is before 
expanding it to other working hours. Or it could be when customers are looking for simple, what we call level one issues. So I lost my password. I don't know where to download my bill, this kind of stuff, which are super simple and definitely don't require a human customer service representative to answer. Uh, you plug in AI, it does it faster, 24 seven and incredibly easily. And that's less cost for the company, faster answer for the customer. Everyone's happy. And then slowly over time, you roll it out to more channel, more use cases. And the, the right way to do this is to be data centric. What I mean by that is if you look at your typical customer service conversations, you're going to find out what are the top 10, 15, 20 questions that people keep asking over and over again. That's probably what you want to automate first. And you want to compare it to another database, which is what are the problems that I that are so standard that I can actually have always the same answer for everyone and it's gonna fix the problem. The, the place where those two pools of data match is where you actually want to start and then roll it out one, one channel over the other. But it's no perfect science. It's a lot of testing and learning and that's how you should work. Yeah, so what I've learned from that is there's, no, there's really no one size fits all solution. And as you've said, right, just go through the use cases and see which areas actually make sense to, you know, put a bit of AI or technologies behind it to make it feel better. Obviously, uh, it cannot be applicable across all the different use cases because some use cases might be more complex than the others. So we can't really generalize it. And hey, this podcast, sorry, uh, you gonna say? I was just going to add one more, one more thing to that. It feels like, you know, what we heard many years ago around branding and then around this model. At some point, when someone wanted to launch a cool brand, we would make it like Apple. When you wanted to launch a cool app, that would be an Uber-like. It never works that way. You need to have your own DNA. You need to figure out what makes sense for your business case, for your customers, and you can just copy another model. So one model fits all, does not exist in customer experience. You need to figure out what makes sense for yours. Yeah, I think I think someone said a brand is not so much about what you say about yourself. It's what your customers say about you, right? When you're not in the room. And it's also about the, yeah, <laughs> when you're not in the room. And it's also about doing those things consistently, which is aligned to your brand promise. Hey, so my podcast is all about positivity and making our world a better place because of something happened to, me, to my family a few years back. I just want to ask you, right, if there's one thing that everyone should do differently, you mentioned that COVID has been, I guess, a blessing to your family. You get to spend a bit more time to see, to see your family and you have a newborn. What do you think, if there's one thing on top of your head, right, what is that thing some, someone should start doing differently tomorrow to help make our world better? What I've seen having an impact on my family, my team, and the people I work with, generally speaking, is to do two things, to start caring a little bit more. It works for your customers and it works for your employees, meaning they are not numbers. Your employees are not just a paycheck at the end of the month in exchange for work they provide. They actually have emotions, they have feelings, they have ideas, they have their own thinking. So it would be worth caring a little bit more. And that's the same for your customers. They are not a number on your contact center list. And then trusting people. I often find out that by default, we tend to not trust until we have a proof that a person is trustworthy. I tend to go the other way around. It's very hard to regain my trust once you've lost it. But by default, anyone crossing my path is going to, I'm going to trust that person until proved otherwise. And you get disappointed every now and then, but I find out that most of the time you get much better relationship with people by giving them your trust upfront. You get more stuff done and you get people happier, generally speaking. With just, and that definitely applies to your own team. With just two things in mind, I, you know, caring for people and trusting them upfront. I found that this is a great way to improve your own 
living standards as well as the ones of the people around you. Right. Thank you so much, Julian. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Well, if we could make sure we don't wait for another five or six years before we catch up, Aaron, that would be fantastic. <laughs> and oh, just one more I, thing. I guess Happy Chinese New Year is overdue now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for coming on the show, Julian. I'll definitely keep in touch with you and next the next time won't be won't be five, six years down the road. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Thank you so much for your time. All right, see you, buddy, Julian. I hope you enjoyed the chat. I always say our life is very much like discovering what the next chapter is in our own book. And what we do today can change the narrative in the next chapter. Our life, given by nature, is short, but it's not the duration that matters. What matters more is how many meaningful things we can do and how many people we can help in our life. I hope you have gotten some inspiration and new ideas about what you can do differently today. And as you are doing it, remember to also change your ecosystem so that you can sustain it. I firmly believe our world will be a much better place if all of us are focusing on becoming a better future self together with the people we love. See you in the next episode.